Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Podcast Manager Show. We are talking to Danielle Desir Corbett today on sponsorships and how you can partner with sponsors to create great content. Now, we've had some previous episodes about sponsors and sponsorships, but today is going to be such an amazing episode. I know you're going to love this because Danielle brings just a completely different way to approach this and talks about how she has really implemented this into her two podcasts and is seeing great results. Now, if you're not familiar with Danielle, she is a top-rated, four-time grant-funded, affordable luxury travel and personal finance podcaster, who also is the founder of Walk Podcasters, Women of Color Podcasters, that community and that show. You also have probably seen her name as a speaker at some of the bigger conferences like Podcast Movement, She Podcasts, Podcasts, etc., and she does not let us down in this episode. I loved chatting with her. She shared some really great information. And whether or not your clients have asked you about sponsors, I think this is going to be such a great listen because you're going to be able to think about sponsorships in a different way and help your clients decide if it's the right approach to monetize their show. All right. Without further delay, let's go chat with Danielle. Hey there. I'm Lauren, and you're listening to The Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Danielle, it is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. As I mentioned in the waiting room, like I am a listener of your podcast, although I'm not a podcast manager. I just think it offers great insights into the role and what you're working on and things to consider. So I'm really honored to be here. Appreciate it. I really appreciate that because I feel the same way. I am honored to have you on the show. So sounds like a match made in heaven. Now, there are so many things that we could talk about in different topics that we can talk about. We're going to talk about sponsorship, let the conversation go where it will. But I'd love to kick us off with you explaining how you got into the podcasting space. All right. Do you have a minute? So <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. So I have been a podcast listener for a really long time, like 2014, 2015. And it was around the 2016, 2017 mark that I started to think like, maybe I can do this medium too. Like it started like not only was I a listener, but I was actually thinking about creating podcasts. But at the time, I was so afraid of the tech that I wanted to have a co-host to share responsibilities with and to help me just guide me through the launching process. And unfortunately, we were dragging our feet and that project never came to fruition. But by 2018, there was an opportunity that was looking specifically for aspiring women of color podcasters. And all you needed was an idea. And winners would be flown out to New York City for a week-long boot camp. And one of those 10 people would win funding for their launch of their project. So I applied thinking, well, how many women of color are there interested in podcasting? Because at the time, this is 2018, I was looking at Apple Podcasts and I could literally see a handful 
of women of color topping the charts. So I thought this is not really something that we are into. And I was like, this is for me. Like, I'll be one of the few and I'll win. Fast forward the day they were supposed to announce the winners. I was on Twitter as I usually am. I'm over at the thought card and I saw hundreds, if not thousands of women of color talking about this opportunity, which was shocking, but also really exciting to see so much enthusiasm. And we were all aspiring newbies. Now, what happened is that they didn't announce the winners that day because they were so overwhelmed by over 18,000 submissions, which is huge. Yeah. And this was only in the United States. So that's just to give you a, a, a just to give you a sense. And this wasn't an opportunity shared on like huge platforms. It was like you had to know from a friend from a friend, like your inner circle, so it was just really exciting. And and through that channel and through all the momentum and buzz of connecting with everyone, I decided to create the Facebook group, WOC Podcasters, just so that we can keep in touch and support one another. And around two months after having that group, I had uh, did a meetup in New York City to just kind of hang out and meet other people. And folks were like, Danielle, like you founded this community, which is awesome. But where's your podcast? Where's your show? And I was like, that's a great question. Where is my podcast? Where is my show? Mm -hmm. So instead of going back to my friend and trying to do that co-host situation, I decided to just create a podcast out of my existing travel and personal finance blog. That was the low-hanging fruit. I already had tons of content on that site already. And my first episode was literally me reading a blog post out loud with inflections (laughs) in my voice because I was so nervous. So that started in 2018 and and I've been podcasting ever since. I feel like podcast has opened so many doors for me, has helped me build my authority, thought leadership, helped me become a published author. And I just literally can't see podcasting not being a part of my life and creative business. So that's my like roundabout journey of how I got here. Yeah. Now, I love that you shared that like you you founded this group before you even had a podcast because it goes to show like there are certain positions that we feel more comfortable in than others. Like it was more comfortable for you to found this big group and be the leader of that group versus it was harder for you to actually put that show out there and and really get the your own show, that ball rolling. So when you were in that space of deciding what show to start, were you thinking about starting a show starting a show based off of the women in color group of podcasters? Or was it always like, no, the the travel and the finance podcast was the only one that really came to mind? It was really the travel and personal finance podcast because it was a topic that I feel like I knew really well and I felt comfortable with talking about till the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And I always knew that I wanted to have a podcast around the woman of color podcasters community, but it took five years to actually launch that show because I was still like trying to understand the industry, my place in it, the needs and and building the community. So I feel like a lot of times I may sit on an idea for a little while just because I need to flesh it out and because I need to feel like this is the right time and I'm in the right position to do that project justice. So a couple of things. Mm. I'm all about quick wins, low hanging fruit. What can we do right now? But also the things that are more 
thoughtful and time consuming and the ones that will really make a impact in your place in the in the industry that I think takes a bit more time to craft. And I don't try to rush that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so do you have the, both of those podcasts still today? I do. So we launched Women of Color Podcasters in 2022, uh, February 2022. We have about nine episodes out right now. And that show, I'm highlighting one woman of color each episode who are doing incredible things in the industry. It's really those untold stories, right? What I found as a community leader is that there's amazing things happening and I know all about it because I am part of the community. So when you're part of the community, you're very aware. But outside the community, it's like crickets. No one's amplifying. No one's talking about your accomplishments and success. So that's what the podcast is doing. It's uncovering those lesser known stories and and highlighting all of these incredible professionals and creators you might not know about. Yeah, I love that. Those stories are, like you said, so much harder to find. So if you wanted to just wanted to just get into a community like that, you could go to Facebook and look for groups and such. But, you know, the big names, you can find those pretty easily. But what about all the people, you know, in between and that you might actually be able to connect with on a personal level that you could help, you know, build each other's businesses? Those are harder to find, but more rewarding. Exactly. And at the surface level, it's a podcast about podcasting. But the nuance is those untold stories, finding the gems and lessons. Like I actually get people from my community who email me and they're like, I had this issue. Like, for example, like uh, podcasting with a full time job, for example, like that's one of the episodes. And they're like, you literally touched on something that I'm struggling with. But it's one of those things that you may not hear in the traditional podcast about podcasting space. Mm -hmm. So even when you think that a genre or niche is crowded, there's always these nuanced angles that you can take that really help to capture your audience and and build your listenership. Mm -hmm. Totally. Now, since we're talking about sponsors getting sponsors, I'd love to know how you started adding in monetization to your shows. Yes. So... I would say I did it backwards. <laughs> and if I would start over today, which when the color podcasters, I did the way I wanted to do it. But I waited too long to monetize my podcast. What I first did for the Thought Card podcast was affiliate income. And my model is a two-parter. So yes, you want to get those smaller item ticket items as part of your affiliate model, for example, your Amazons or those like tools and tech that you use that are going to give you like five bucks a pop, right? But then also combining that with those higher ticket affiliate programs. So with one of the affiliate programs, I was able to make about anywhere between $900 and $2,000 per sale. And that like was significant. So through the combination of small and high, I was able to start making an income and that income, I immediately invested it in a podcast editor. I hate editing and (laughs) I knew that I needed an editor to kind of take me to new levels, especially for the kind of audio sound design I was looking to do in the future. So that was a really great investment. And today I would say that affiliate income is a good foundation especially in economic downturn times, it may be harder to, let's say, get a brand deal or maybe harder to attract clients. 
But those referrals can still be a solid foundation. And literally, it's literally helping me pay my mortgage during these months as the economic downturn is making its way. So that's how I started off. Uh, but along the journey, I realized like, okay, affiliate is nice, a great foundation, but I really wanted to work with brands. And I had experience working with brands as a blogger, but translating that to podcasting, it just wasn't working for me. So I was constantly stuck in pitching brands, getting ghosted, no one answering my responses or them pigeonholing me in this affiliate relationship, which I'm like not interested in. And I decided to invest in a monetization coach, a podcast monetization coach who had the results, who literally was able to quit their job as a result of sponsorships and monetizing. And I made the investment because I realized that this isn't something that I can just read an article and capture or listen to a, a podcast episode and like understand the full strategy from A to Z. So I hired this coach for the implementation. And within that like three month program, it just so happened that I was in the middle of negotiating a deal with a pretty big sponsor. So that was exciting because for me, I learned how to fish. I learned how to go out and broker my own deals, negotiate my own deals, and I can replicate that process. And it provided me with a solid foundation. So I wish I had the story would be like, I tried and errored. I did try and error. But I also understood that investing in a coaching program that that someone who knew what they were doing and could help me was really, really helpful. Now, over the last two years, I've developed my own framework whether that is like crafting stories, pitching brands to all the way down to the negotiation and what happens post, right? How do you retain them as a brand sponsor and client? So there's been a lot of learnings along the way, but I knew I was ready to start with sponsorships because I had that desire. It wasn't an external motivation like, oh, so-and-so is doing it. I want to do it. No, it was like, I really want to work with brands and I see them as my clients. And that really gave me the motivation to start putting the pieces together to learn how to get it done. Yeah. Now, do you think that most podcasts, there's going to be outliers, but do you think that it makes sense for most podcasts to have sponsors? Or is it certain podcasts that you see it work best with? I think that no matter the podcast you have, you can work with sponsors. You can work with brands. I don't think that it's only for a certain select few, but I do feel like the industry pushes this narrative that only the select few, the elites with huge numbers are able to command sponsorship dollars. And there's a big push for CPM, which is the cost per meal model, which is about like averages $27 per thousand downloads. But happen if you only get a thousand downloads? What happens then? $27 does not, it barely buys a large buy of pizza these days, right? So I do think that it's open to everyone. The question is, as a creator, are you interested in doing this model? And understanding that with sponsorships, there is a bit of give and take. There are some sacrifices, right? Whether that's the episode you wanted to work on, whether that's the wording and terminology that the brand wants to use, whether that's their legal department asking you to listen to the episode, revise it 20 billion times. 
there is some give and take. So you really have to decide, is this for you and is this worth your time and effort and energy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to circle back to what you were saying about this is your client. You're now partnered with this brand. So you're working together to come up with something that's going to be mutually beneficial. Exactly. I always say it's a win-win-win scenario. So it's a win for the brand because they get visibility, they get uh, increased sales, whatever the metrics are. It's a win for my listeners because they get high quality content that for free. (laughs) Right. And then win for me financially, because as the creator, like this is my business. This is how I make an income. So I'm always looking at partnerships where it's a win, win, win scenario where all three folks are in balance. Yes. Now, I'm sure the people that are listening are wondering, okay, talk about numbers because you mentioned numbers. What can you share with us about download numbers of you know, talking about those smaller shows and take that wherever you want, because, you know, we could talk about 20 downloads to, like you said, a thousand downloads. You know, a lot of us from what I've talked about on the show before is, you know, once you have like 10,000 downloads an episode, okay, then you're in another category. So what about before that? You know, this is like a hot topic. I feel like everyone is so fixated on downloads as being the end all be all. And I see downloads as just the tip of the iceberg, but underneath the water, there's just so many other things. But to answer your question, it's more about the focus of your show and the listenership that you have. Because, for example, if you are, example, a photography podcaster and your podcast is all about photography in the Saharan desert or safaris, You may not have a huge listenership with hundreds of thousands of people, but you may have a few select people who are actual photographers who go out in the safari to capture these wild animals, right? So when you're partnering with brands, you're going to partner with brands who want to reach those people. Mm -hmm. You can also think about it as partnering with brands who can help you create this content, meaning that... Like for me as a travel podcaster, I want to partner with destinations and tourism boards to highlight what it's like traveling at a destination, right? So you could think about it that way. Yes, working with a brand, but also how can I partner with a brand to help me create this content together? So instead of me, instead of me, like for another example, instead of me creating content around like budgeting, which I want to, and I, I think it's a very important, a foundation for travel and personal finance, I'm going to partner with a budgeting app to help me bring that content to life, right? Because at the end of the day, your listeners are getting this for free. A lot of time and energy invested in a brand can get that alignment and synergy with them. So it's more about, do you know who you're speaking to? And do you have certainty that they have an interest in certain items or certain ideas And can you partner with a brand to point that out? Whether you have 20 listeners or 20,000 listeners, that is not as important. It's more about the who. Do you have alignment? With that being said, I would say that a lot of times when you're pitching brands, they're going to ask you for the numbers. There's no getting around that, right? But be more confident in your approach knowing that I have who you want to talk to. 
I have this audience of women of color podcasters. I have an audience of financially savvy travelers. And for you to access those people, you need me. And that's how I would think about it a little bit differently. Yeah. So then if one of our clients had a smaller audience and it was kind of a vague listener, like they knew who it was, but it was it was more vague. Would it be more helpful for them if they're, you know, going for sponsors, would it be more helpful for them to really zero in on who that person is versus saying, you know, like mompreneurs or something that's like such, it's just a little too vague? I agree. I think that narrowing down, which can be very difficult when you look at our like podcast analytics dashboard, you're like, okay, it's just a bunch of numbers. This is why experimenting and building your portfolio, your body of work is so important. Because as you're working on episodes, and even if you're not partnering with brands, but with the intention of working with brands in the future, you can start to track things like clicks, views, uh, listen time to see, okay, is my listeners really interested in cheap flights? Because when I did this cheap flights episode, they clicked on this link 200 times, right? I got sales from it. And let's say on the website, on my show notes page, they were there for 20 minutes, for example, right? So then with this, like, it's a indirect way of understanding who your listener is by seeing what actions they take, mm. right? And then from those actions, you can say, okay, based off of what I see, I know that I need to go after brands that are all travel deals or all apps under $10 or $5. So that to me is how I would start to narrow down. Yes, you can do things like listener surveys, which I've tried. People don't answer. <laughs> you could also like do social media campaigns, all of those things. But through your content, start testing things, right? Mm -hmm. Everything I do in my podcast, I have a bit.ly link to track. Mm -hmm. I want to track, even if I'm not partnering with a brand, if I want to in the future, I could tell them, hey, I mentioned you just for five seconds on the podcast and we had 50 clicks. Imagine if we did a whole a full campaign together, two episodes, three episodes, what that would look like. So get into the habit of tracking every little thing on your podcast show notes and your episode descriptions and really encouraging them to take action so that you know where their interests and allegiance allies more. Mm -hmm. That is so helpful for me to like just kind of have that mindset shift of identifying your people by their behaviors. Like you said, like if they're money budget conscious travelers, they could self-identify themselves as that in a survey, like you mentioned, or you could just see that, hey, this is what everyone's clicking on. So I can assume they're budget conscious because they're clicking and they're listening to the episodes for that behavior. Love that. Absolutely. Like my credit card travel hacking episodes far outweigh a lot of the other types of episodes I do. So I know that they have an affinity for this. So mm -hmm. if I'm looking for, for brands, low hanging fruit again, what do I do? I just follow what the data shows me, right? Which is why I feel like downloads is just one metric. Think about your link clicks, your page views to your show notes page, the listener time, like for each episode, how long are they listening to episodes? How long are they, are they staying on the page, the page views time? There's, so there's a lot of different things you could start to piece together 
to give you some clues. And um, also as a smaller show, think about multiplying. So instead of thinking of a campaign where it's like, I only do, I'm only going to do like mention it one time, one pre-roll, actually multiply that by like two or three. Because imagine if you get 50 views, 50 listens per episode, but you mention it three times, that's 150 versus the 50. So think mm-hmm. about coupling your messaging a couple of times, especially if you're a smaller show, to be able to get the same results as a bigger show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when you're when you're a smaller show looking for sponsors, you you know, you don't have this big inventory. You don't have all these slots filled. So you can offer that up and you make the money that you're looking for, you know, but you also get give the brand the value that they're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like smaller shows are actually more powerful than they think they are. It's a mindset a mindset shift that needs to be made and creativity, right? Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you follow the status quo in the industry, you're following this well trodden path. How did they get to that path? It was a lot of experimenting. It was a lot of like trial and error. And it was a lot of creativity to get to that path. But as someone who's a smaller show and you want to kind of go against the grain, you still need that scrappiness, the creativity and figuring out how to get to your goals. Also, like when you're in conversations with brands, ask them questions, you know, ask them like, have you worked with podcasters? What did those campaigns look like? What did you like about those campaigns? What did you not like about those campaigns? What's your goal for working together? Mm -hmm. Is it is it actually like awareness? Like you just want people to hear about your product or do you actually want sales and clicks? If you want sales and clicks and you know you have a smaller show and they truly only care about sales and clicks, maybe the podcast isn't the right thing. So it's again, it's a lot about like having these conversations, these goal settings and being creative, being creative and paving your own way so that you can reach whatever those goals are for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can really see that creativity coming into play for our clients that they want to do sponsors, they think about the stuff they use, but maybe it's just, it's target or it's it's like these things that are just not, it's not going to be the, the, the most perfect fit. And st- instead, they need to say, okay, I want, like you said, I want to get this specific message out. And my audience really wants this message. Who can I partner with to bring that to life? I really like that mindset. And what I've found is that brands love story angles. Like, they love when you come to the table with ideas. And I actually put that in my pitch email. I'm like, I have an idea. Let me know if you're interested. And they just like salivate at the thought of like, ooh, an idea. You know why? Because as creatives, creativity is in the word, right? So we get to put our creative hats on and think think about how can we push this business forward? Because it's really a business investment on their part, Right. They're not doing this for the betterment of their, you know, they may, but for the most part, they want to further their business objectives. And for us, it's about creativity. How can I be creative? How can I still provide my audience with awesome value and let them know that this brand, this product is a really great next step after listening to the episode? So really lean into your creativity and always have fresh ideas. 
And sometimes like sometimes you have an idea and it might not be the right one. Right. Mm -hmm. And the brand may say, I'm not really interested in that right now. And then you could ask them like, "Okay, what are you interested in? What are your focus? What are your focus? What's your focus for Q4, Q3, Q2? You know, what stories are you working on? And then you can kind of like try to figure out what exactly that they're aimed at. I love sitting down with brands before we figure out a campaign so I can get that FaceTime, but also hear from them. Like what has been successful? What are they working on? So when I put my proposal together, I know I'm hitting all of their goals with whatever my deliverables are. Hey, before we continue with this episode, I wanted to ask you something. If there was a way that you could make $5,000 per month as a podcast manager without taking on a million clients, is that something that you'd be interested in? If so, I have great news for you. We have a brand new masterclass that teaches you how you can make $5,000 per month as a podcast manager without taking on a million clients. In this class, we are covering the skills and the systems that every podcast manager needs to know to land high paying clients so that you can make $5,000 per month and beyond. You'll also learn the mistakes that I was making and I see podcast managers continue to make that keep them from profit. So if you are nodding your head, yes, tell me more, Lauren, then go to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass to get a seat in the masterclass this week. You can find that link in the show notes. I'll see you there. And how amazing is that for them? It's like they would thinking of it from the brand's perspective, you know, they and the people that are working for this brand, it might if it's a small brand, it might be, you know, the owner and stuff. But like you take a step back and it maybe it's a team who they have to think of these creative ideas, they have to figure out how they're connect going to connect with their ideal buyer. And you come along and say, I have this really cool idea. I already have these people listening to me. These people already trust me. They already think, you know, what I have to say is interesting or, or whatnot. And I've got this cool story, this cool idea, and it fits in with with the brand, of course, then thinking from the brand's perspective, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that Danielle showed up. Exactly. <laughs> this is way better than what we were going to do. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like it's it's exciting. Creativity and creative ideas mm-hmm. are so exciting for brands. And yes, it, but that's also one part of it, because if you want to get paid, there's budgets to consider as well. So sometimes you have like a really great idea, but for whatever reason, it's not the right time. And I think this is where I would get stuck and stop. And I stopped pitching. I stopped putting myself out there is I would get rejected and I would be like, I'm a terrible person. I suck and close the door. Mm-hmm. But if you start to think of sponsorships and brands as a relationship, an ongoing relationship, the door is always open, always open. So no is just not right now. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen, there's two things. If a brand comes to me with a pitch and idea, they want to work with me, they're typically always all ready. They're on board and it's exciting, right? Now it's a matter of me just negotiating and figuring out like, what are we going to do? Is the budget that you have in mind what I want to get paid? All of that. But If it's the opposite where I'm pitching a brand, then there's a lot of dynamics in the background that I may not know about, like their annual marketing budget. 
Maybe they're at the end of their budget or their beginning of their budget, or maybe they've already figured out their campaigns. So with that being said, it actually takes me one to two years to realize, realize a brand deal, especially if I'm pitching them. Mm -hmm. So I always say to my clients, I'm like, if you're not willing to have skin in the game and build a relationship and rapport with these people, because they're they're people at the end of the day behind these brands, then it may not be the right avenue for you because it does take time. It's not going to be quick. However, if every week you're pitching or every month, you know, you're sending out email correspondences to new people and new brands and you're following up and you're negotiating, regardless of the one to two year time frame, you're always going to bring an income because you consistently had this wheel of reaching out, hopping on calls, meetings and things like that. So don't let it deter you that it takes a while and don't let no's deter you. Know that it's a long game and it's about building relationships and building your portfolio, your body of work in the meantime. Mm. That makes me wonder what type of retention that you see taking this really like human approach and giving yourself time to make those really great connections. What's the retention like? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the kind of campaigns you put together and what the goals are. So for me and my business model, I typically create episodes with my partners together. Meaning, and that that is great because it's content led and also it's higher ticket. So it's not where I'm doing like 30 second ads like for my entire catalog for the next, you know, two months. It's more of like me and this brand are going to come together for a two-part episode series. And that's the that's the extent of our project together. I'm a project, I'm a project manager in my old life. So I do things differently. So typically after we do a campaign where we do an episode or two together, we say Saranara. And I reach back out to them with the results of the campaign. And then if there's an opportunity, if I see that there's another opportunity for us to negotiate another deal or continue working together, but sometimes I just might reach out next year and see, okay, hey, what are you working on? Is there anything that we can promote and push and work together on? And then link that story, that new story back to the old story. This is a very different model than what typical sponsorships people in the industry do. They typically get a sponsor. They do ads for like, extended amount of time and they quantify success as well. Did the sponsor stay on board with me? But for me and how I operate is that we are working on more crafting episodes together. And after that project is done, it is done. And we could come back to the table with a new fresh idea. But this is for me feels more in alignment with what I am interested in and how I want to run my business. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared that because what you were saying earlier with, you know, coming together to form an idea and if you have, you know, content that you want to put out there, finding someone to partner with you, that all makes sense. And I think from a listener perspective, it's so much more authentic or or maybe just organic of like, oh, she, you know, we're talking about this sponsor because we're coming together to produce this episode together versus, you know, hearing your your favorite podcaster talk about, you know, athletic greens. And it's like, oh, it's the time in the the podcast where we're going to talk about athletic greens. 
And, you know, the strategy there is like, oh, the the more times the listener hears it, the more likely maybe that they'll buy it. But for this, it's like a perfect match of, you know, you hear about your get introduced to the brand. And if you're interested, then you take action. Yeah, it's uh, it's completely different. And don't get me wrong, like I have worker brands where it's like, I just want a quick mention, a quick shout out. And that is in alignment with their goals. But I've seen the campaigns like I worked with a bank and we did a two part episode about homeownership. And it was like 40 minutes, like two, two episodes, like 20 minutes each, 40 minutes of real content. And the next step was to go check out the resource library that the bank had put together. Like it's the perfect next step. And the conversion was amazingly high because the listeners were interested in home ownership. We talked in depth about home ownership. And guess what? The brand has a resource for you. That's a free resource or whatever that you can go and check out. So for me, I felt like that was a win-win-win. I win as a content creator, the bank wins as new leads. And then my listeners received high quality content that I probably would produce even if it wasn't sponsored, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just makes me think that thinking of the bank having a a resource library is kind of unusual. And that just makes me think of how, how much growth there is to be had between creators podcasters specifically and brands that to like make this connection even better for the listener is to bridge some of that gap the, like you're talking about home over, home ownership and then maybe the bank's call to action is like go into your local branch to talk to a representative it's like well how many i don't know if people are going to do that right but oh there's a there's a resource library oh i'm there when the podcast is over exactly exactly and that's the creativity piece right that thoughtfulness, that time it took for me to figure out, okay, how are we going to connect the dots is what got me the deal. And it's what allows me to charge way more than like the CPM model, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's sort of like a cross between, I, I think bloggers do this a lot, right? They write long form content and And it's really thoughtful. And podcasters are stuck in in this like 30 second ad, 40 second ads. And that is like no shade. Like that is amazing. But think about how do you have the win, win, win as a way to really break the mold and have a sustainable sponsorship business. Sustainability is important. And even for like 2023, during this time of this recording, I really just want to have four sponsors a year for high ticket sponsors. And that will just be my bills are paid. I'm happy. Like all I need is four. I don't need to have an entire catalog filled of six ads and running around and chasing inventory. I don't think about my inventory. I think about I need my four campaigns for the year. What are those going to look like? Who is on board? What's the budget? What are we going to be working together? What are we excited about? And let's get started. So it's Mm -hmm. so different, but it just energetically aligns with me so well. I deeply care about the brands I work with. Like I just finished a campaign yesterday and the brand reached back out and they're like, I love this. I love how you designed it. I, It's like, it, it feels so enriching to me as them having, you know, having them as a client 
it, it matters. Their happiness and the success of the campaign matters. And this I know works for me and my audience. Yeah. And I think if you're listening and and thinking about your clients and your clients that are interested in sponsorship and think about their investment in this monetization, because they don't have to do sponsors. They can monetize other ways, which we've talked about in other episodes. But if they really are interested in partnering with brands, this could be a really good fit. But yeah, I've experienced as a podcast manager clients that they they like the idea of sponsors because it sounds easy. And it's not easy in the sense that, you know, you obviously have to put the work in and landing them, but you have to be creative and you have to be invested in that show or in that brand. And if you're not invested in that brand, it I think it's apparent to the listeners. There's other problems with it, but, you know, it's apparent to the listeners and it's just, you know, eh. I a thousand percent agree, which is why, like every week I have dedicated pitch time where I'm sitting down and crafting a pitch email. Um, But Mm. before I even craft a pitch, I have to figure out what the story angle is, right? I have to figure out like, okay, how is this going to fit? And how do I convey that in a pitch email? So it's not, like I mentioned, it, it takes sometimes one to two years to realize a campaign. And are you willing to have the skin in the game? You know, yeah. Um, there are a lot easier ways to make money, to be honest. But I really do love this. And I feel like this is a great way where I can continue to create great content for my audience. They don't have to pay anything, but I still have a sustainable business model in the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, you know, thinking of your, you know, you said four partnerships a year. Are you then planning all the way like 2024 and 2025 since it can take a year or two for these to come to fruition? Yeah. So I wouldn't say like I'm planning in the sense of like I'm pitching, I'm meeting with brands, I am going to conferences, having FaceTime and and keeping those communications open. And I have like a spreadsheet that really helps me to keep on track and, you know, just be able to organize because there's a lot of contacts. But it's really a matter of like every quarter I see, okay, out of the brands that I've been in contact with, which ones are more likely to move forward with, right? So I think it just depends on the dialogue you're having with the brands to figure out, okay, what's the likeliness? When is this? Especially since I travel, I have a travel podcast. So a lot of times I have to travel to the destination. So mm-hmm. we're looking typically around like a quarter or two ahead. So I don't necessarily have like a 2024 strategy yet, but I know that everything I'm doing today will lead to fruition in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're, yeah, you're working in the now, but planning and investing for the future. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Danielle, this has been so good. I knew that you would have some great things to say, but I think that this is just really kind of humanizes sponsorships because yeah, we've talked about numbers in the past and we, yeah, there's more to the story than numbers, but I think this has been so great in really illustrating that. So thank you so much. I would love to know what you have planned for the rest of the year with your show and just maybe some exciting things that you have coming up. Yes. So, okay. So for the Thought Card podcast, I am continuing as usual. I'm actually launching a book all about the type of travel, which I call financial savvy travel. So that's coming up, which is very exciting. 
And it's going to open a whole new conversation of like, what does it mean to be a financially savvy traveler, which is the whole basis of my show. So I'm really, really happy and excited about that. Love that. I'm also like actually starting a new podcast, a road trip podcast with the friend I was talking about with you from like 2017, which we've been thinking about a show together. So I'm really excited for that new podcast. It's going to be launching in the fall. And um, yeah, I think continuing business as usual, like reaching out to brands and and figuring out uh, who wants to work with me. But I think the biggest takeaway, I think, for listeners of this episode is a couple of things. Lean into your creativity, right? That is first and foremost is what's going to help you to stand apart. Consider building your portfolio, right? Even if you have no brands working with you right now, but how can the episodes you create or the assets you create for your show be the building blocks that you can showcase to potential sponsors? And um, lastly, and I think as a podcast manager, perhaps this could be something that folks can help with, is helping your clients perhaps building out their media kit. Right. Like we Mm. talked a lot about stats today, like beyond the downloads, help your clients start to track these things. Right. Like help your clients try to start tracking uh, clicks or page times and all these different things, because those are things that are going to help them be ready for a sponsor when they do come in the front door. So those are like my big takeaways, new projects coming up. But overall, have the confidence, lean into yourself as a creator, first and foremost, because you are way more valuable than you're probably letting on to be. Yes, I love that. Now, do you, I believe you have a resource for media kits? Absolutely. So I have a podcast media kit checklist, which will walk you through all of the different items. There's quite a bit of items that I recommend all podcasters have. So grab that, introduce this media kit checklist to your clients and help them get ready, right? So when a sponsor does come through the door, they don't have to think about and sweat. (laughs) It's all about, okay, I already have this all done. Yes, I will make sure that that is in the show notes so people can grab that. Danielle, this was great. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.